This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen. And you are listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we are talking to Alexandra Cherubini. She is the founder of the popular brand Equifit. We will discuss the development, success, and the future growth of the brand. Listen in as we get a firsthand account on how to start from scratch. Alexandra Cherubini founded Equifit, a Massachusetts-based designer and manufacturer of technologically advanced products loved by riders throughout the world when she sought a way to combine her love of horseback riding with her career after graduating from Bates College in 1999. Now, nearly 20 years later, led by science and firsthand knowledge of rider experiences, testing, and feedback, Equifit has created hundreds of products with new technologies and materials to improve performance, health, and well-being for horses and humans. Yet, her caring for people and animals extends well beyond business. Even early on in the development of her company, she became involved with City to Saddle and over the years has continued to provide support. Most recently, she gained attention on behalf of CTS by promoting its mission in connection with the Black Lives Matter movement and her commitment to equality and fairness for all equestrians. She sponsored several children to attend CTS summer programs and has lent the support of her communications and marketing specialist. As a member of the U.S. Equestrian Federation's External Thought Leaders Group, she is working to inform the development of its Diversity and Inclusion Action Plan. In June of 2020... Equifit announced its zero-tolerance policy against racism, reintroduced its 2015 Give Racism the Boot t-shirt for which 100% of the proceeds are donated to the Compton Cowboys, and made product donations to Detroit Horsepower, Compton Cowboys, and Fletcher Street Urban Riding Club. During the COVID-19 outbreak in the spring of 2020, Alexandra retrofitted her entire company to make reusable fabric masks for use in public and others to fit over N95s to allow for reuse of scarce supplies. Proceeds from the purchase of these masks contribute to Equifit's donation program, which to date has donated over 13,000 masks to 45 different organizations across the country for distribution to people on the front line. Alexandra also serves on the leadership council of the Michael J. Fox Foundation in support of her mother who suffers from Parkinson's, for which she created an oyster fundraiser called Shuck Parkinson's. This Team Fox event from 2017 to 2019 raised over 250000 of which 100% of the proceeds went directly to help find a cure and secure fundraising for Parkinson's research. In addition, Alexandra serves as president and chairwoman on the board for Alamed Inc., a Boston-based medical supply company that her parents started over 50 years ago. Hi, Alexandra. It's so great to have you on. I know I've been talking to you since we started the podcast about coming on and being a guest, and I'm so glad that our schedules worked out for today. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. I was also on one of our panels at our first Equestrian Businesswomen Summit and put on amazing presentation about 
Equifit and how she develops products. And I thought it was super cool. And so we wanted to bring you on every six episodes. We plan to do kind of a one-on-one with someone in the industry to kind of learn more about their story and their business. Episode six, we did with Erin Brown, the concrete yeah. cowgirl. Who mm-hmm. I think, yes. We're on um, a committee together. Right. Yeah. The diversity and inclusion yeah. community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's and she's so awesome to talk yes. to you. I have to learn your story now for episode 12. Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah. So just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Equifit? Sure. So when I was younger, I fell in love with horses when I was around 12. I always say much to my parents' dismay because they always thought it was something I would grow out of. And clearly I'm still here. However many years, well, many years later. (laughs) And so I rode growing up and then went to college and tried to ride a little bit during the summers moved to New York, worked at PR and had to figure out a way to incorporate horses in my life and get back to horses. I was lucky enough that my family is in the medical supply business and I grew up around lots of products, manufacturing and product development. So Mm -hmm. it was sort of in my, I guess, if you will, in my, my blood or DNA to hopefully going to develop products and, and spend time in that sort of arena. And I was able to combine uh, my passion for horses with the background in product development. Mm-hmm. That's really, you know, how it all began. And I was, like I said, living in New York, working in PR, walking down the street one day. And literally, I feel like one of those cliches where a light bulb went off and thought about the product shoulders back. So that was our first product. And I worked with a team of orthopedists to develop it. And I always thank my trainers growing up because they made me ride with a stick behind my back. I figured there had to be a safer way to do this and, and even potentially go into a broader market. And that was our first product. Yeah. Um, and, and that product was really wild. It ended up taking, took on its whole life of its own. It ended up on display at the Met in New York in a show called Extreme Beauty. It was in W Magazine. It all of a sudden had tons of press. And Mm -hmm. so I was really focused on that for a long time. And it was basically just me. And yeah, that was really where uh, my time was spent and how it started at the beginning. And how did you take that initial success Mm -hmm. and decide to go into the more equine related mm-hmm. products. Yeah, so I really always wanted to be more equine focused mm-hmm. and it just, you know what? I went with the flow of what was coming at us. I was answering the calls from the Met or W. I was doing all of that at the time at the beginning. And then of course I thankfully had some other help and worked with Jen Wood, um, but had always, like I said, wanted to get back to the horses. And I was in, in Dedham where Equifit is and our family business Alamed. I was in there one day and I was playing with a material called T-foam. And I had always had an interest in horse boots. I love shoes. So uh, for some reason, horse boots and shoes really, uh, were always something I was looking at and felt horse or felt tea foam. And it's like, what about trying this in a horse boot? Yeah. So that was how we, we made the leap from being human focused to moving into an equine 
do you think that your parents having the original company, that kind of entrepreneurial spirit and seeing firsthand how hard it is to own your own business and run it really helped prepare you to have your own business? Yes, most definitely. Both my parents, they started Alamed together in the basement of their house in the or apartment in the South End in Boston. And, and then it moved to Chinatown. And as much as my mom didn't necessarily go into the office, she was still very much involved and she had her own career going in real estate. So they were always busy, always working. And that's how we grew up. It's your reality. It's that was our reality. What sort of challenges did you have to overcome in order to get started? Like, I mean, some people just don't even know how to start a company. Mm -hmm. And I mean, luckily you have their Mm -hmm. experience too, but what did you have to work on in order to get Equifit as a proper company? Yeah. So I was, I will say, like you just said, I had them to guide me and I was very lucky with having my parents and really my dad, he was a entrepreneur at heart and he loved developing products. I mean, he could talk about that all day long, but you know, other things that the equine market was a market that I knew about it as a rider from that side of it, but I didn't know about it from a business side or I knew who the players, let's say tax stores and Dover Sadlery. And I knew the big players, but I really, I didn't know who to call. I didn't have anyone to ask who to go to. So it really was a lot of literally pounding the pavement. I remember the first time I sold shoulders back, I sold six shoulders back and I was looking through a yellow, I don't even remember yellow what it's called, pages? yellow pages <laughs> and found a tax store. And I yeah. called and I said, Oh, we have this product. And I pitched it and she bought six. And I didn't even know what to do with myself at that time. <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, it started really, it started slow. And I had, I had a lot of help as far as support. And, and even when my husband now at the time we would hang out in his apartment in Brooklyn and be cutting out the packaging that shoulders back would go on to. And then I would be at FedEx the next day and taking all the phone calls and the orders and Mm -hmm. going to equine affair and setting up a card table or (laughs) Rolex and be at a card table with these stores that gave me a shot. So they were willing to listen. Did you also keep your PR job while you got Equifit? Well, you did shoulders back. Yes, I was for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would say there there was definitely crossover, and and I do want to mention too along those lines is that I started the company with Dr. Liz Maloney, who is a vet oh. in the industry. Yeah, and I adore Liz. She is awesome. She's great. One of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. She should have her own show. So we started the business together and eventually I ended up buying her out and continued on the path that we are still working on. But yes, Liz and I worked together for a while and then we decided to go our separate ways. Were there any early failures that you had? Oh my God, had so many. <laughs> so many failures. Yeah. What kind? So let's see. Through the years, there's been a lot of product failures. And so what would happen is at the beginning, we weren't quite as organized as we are now and we're starting out. So we would have prototypes and then somewhere along the line, once we were ready to go to manufacturing, a, let's say 
we would order elastic, but it wasn't the same elastic that we tested. So we would start manufacturing the product. We go out to the field and then we would start to notice, wow, that elastic is really stretching. Oh no, the boot is slipping. Uh, (laughs) I mean, there were for sure multiple, I mean, failures, if you will, that mm -hmm. happened product wise. We had one issue where we thought we were changing the, the original boot, the, the Velcro on the original boot to this like awesome fancy Velcro that, you know, like lint and dirt wouldn't stay in and get stuck in. We we thought this was just (laughs) the winner. So we start to switch the product over. Well, it didn't work with the footing and the environment. Uh, After maybe 20 uses, it stopped sticking. Oh my gosh. So, So there were definitely times that we had a lot of failures. We still have them maybe in a different way, but those were some product failures that really were eye-opening and Mm -hmm. learned a lot from. And thankfully, when those product failures would occur, I was always very much present at the horse show or in touch with the riders or grooms, managers that we worked with. So I would get immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. And that has always been an important part of our process. Yeah. Kind of they are your beta testers. Yes. Yeah. And do you use the products yourself too, like to start out and oh, yeah. test them? Yep. Before you so, kind of exactly. Yeah. So we start with the, the initial prototype. Usually comes to let's say me and my horses first, and we use them, try them on. There's so many changes that happen and throughout the development of a product that we're lucky that we have our horses to put them on, use, and make an immediate change. Mm-hmm. Even with that, the development time takes so long. Yeah. It just, it takes way longer than you would ever sort of imagine. Uh, We'll say, oh, this is an easy product. And then it will be a year later. And they're like, (laughs) still working on it. The young horse boot, for some reason, took us literally five years to develop. We work on it, then we put it aside, then we work on it again. And some of them just seem to take longer than others. But yes, we get them and then... Once we think we're in like a pretty good place, we make, let's say a run of 12 pairs or I don't just, I'm just throwing out a number, send those out to specific riders or, or barns that we think would be a good testing facility for them and that we always work with. And they use them for a while. We get feedback, make changes. They go back to the field and we keep doing that till we get it right. Before you start manufacturing. Yes. Okay. Is that a large cost for you to Mm. do all of that? And kind of like, how do you get the finances? How did you Mm -hmm. get the finances? Actually, how did you get the finances to start Mm -hmm. your business and kind of walk us through that part? So so I would say as far as how do we get the finances at the beginning... Mm -hmm. Like I said, we had an amazing support structure around us with manufacturing capabilities too to start. So we were very lucky in that way that we had a facility to make a prototype in. But, you know, Liz and I really like scraped together X amount of dollars and said, okay, let's put it in a pot and see what we can do. And I think when we started, it was maybe $10,000 that we put together and started the business with. Yeah. I'll have to ask her actually, if she remembers and went from there. And I would say really, we were lucky that we did have 
the manufacturing at our fingertips. That made a huge difference yeah. with getting right. us off the ground. Yeah. So when you're doing prototypes uh, oh, prototype. and stuff, yes. you know, like, is there a large expense mm-hmm. in that prior to actually getting the product to market? Yes. I would say it is a large expense. Probably it is one of our largest expenses. And the one thing I did learn though, is we, if we don't take our time and really spend the time and money at the beginning, getting the product, it will cost us more financially at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we, we stand behind everything we do. So if there is a problem, we replace it. Or when there, when we did have a Velcro issue, we replaced those products. So mm-hmm. really that product development stage is the most important and it is a, it's a pricing endeavor. Yeah. And when you have a partnership, mm-hmm. when you guys both scrape the money together, mm-hmm. was there agreements and stuff so that mm-hmm. would you recommend people have agreements going forward so that you don't have arguments in the long run? Yeah. You're really testing my memory here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long time ago, but I would say I'm pretty sure we had an agreement in place and I would recommend an agreement in place. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Yes. You just have to put it all out there and be so clear with what the responsibilities Mm -hmm. are and, you know, what the financial profit, how you deal with it, who takes what, whether that's based on how much money you put in to start or, Mm -hmm. or how much work you're doing in comparison, but for sure. Yes. One thing actually my, my dad would always say is ideally when you have a partner, you want someone to have 49 51. 50-50 split can be tough. (laughs) You'd always say that to me. (laughs) That's a good piece of advice. Yeah, that's great advice. Mm -hmm. So did you have to wait long for Equifit to start making a profit or was it something that grew quickly to start? It grew quickly, but we always reinvested back into the business. Mm-hmm. So I was very much, and I am a firm believer in building a brand that has value. And I feel like there's various ways to build a business. There's sort of like a shorter way to do it where the the profit part is the more important part and people take money out. And for me with Equifit, it was always reinvesting in the brand. Mm-hmm. So at this point in the morning, it's 6.01 AM, the first thing I do is look at our daily sales. And I love seeing those. And I, <laughs> it's been amazing to see them grow through the years. But even more, I love seeing the product out in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That when the combination at this point, just it makes me smile. And are you a big numbers and analytics person? Do you like going through the books and knowing where all the dollars are going and that sort of thing? I do that, but it's not really what I love to do. Okay. (laughs) Some people love it. I hate it. No, it's definitely not my favorite thing to do. (laughs) I can think of a lot of other things I'd rather be doing, but I do love actually looking through the daily sales, Mm -hmm. seeing, I love seeing who's purchasing the product. Mm -hmm. I love seeing, for example, let's say if a vet clinic is buying a blanket bib, or if a new sort of a new customer is buying a product that I wouldn't think they would purchase, mm. that is really interesting to see. Yeah, because I, we can learn a lot from that. Yeah, it can yeah. change like your advertising and your exactly. marketing, exactly. All of that. Yes, cool. So I enjoyed that part of it. 
Yeah. 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 But it's also important to stay on top of that, whether you like it or not, so that you know where it's going, what direction you're going in, and there's not going to be surprises. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with you. You don't let your business get away from you. No. That's cool. Yeah. How many people do you guys employ? We have 14 right now. Wow. And that, yeah. And that doesn't count our manufacturing, but that counts everyone in the office, sales, design, R&D. Oh, okay. And do you, you manufacture in Massachusetts? Mm -hmm. The majority of our products manufactured in Dedham, Mass. And then we have some manufacturing in other um, places throughout the U.S. And then we do a little bit, some overseas. Oh, you do? And some in Europe and in Asia. Oh. And what do you think is the easiest thing for you leading your team? I would say the easiest thing for me leading my team is that they love the brand. And they're Mm -hmm. excited to come to work. And they're happy to be there. Do you have a lot of horse people that work for you? All of them? (laughs) Oh, really? One non-horse person who's now forced to become a horse person. (laughs) Right. Of course. Yeah. No, but everyone else is a horse lover. (laughs) Uh, I had a coworker. I worked at Blue Chip Farms and I had a coworker who she started out where she was not a horse person at all. And now her daughter is riding horses. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing how that happens. Yeah. She's like, you did this to her because when she was pregnant, I always be walking by and be like, you're going to love horses. (laughs) (laughs) Did she send you the bills? Yeah. Yeah, She's riding at the barn where I keep my ponies. And at some point I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to like give the kid a pony to ride (laughs) or something. I'm sure she's cursing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that. And she just got like a little Cairn Terrier and she was uh, like a cat person before. And then I had an Irish Terrier that I'd bring to the office with me every day. So then she fell in love with Terrier. So now she has a Cairn Terrier. She's like, you like totally changed my life. You like, that's what it sounds like. (laughs) What are some challenges you have with leading your team and your employees and your operations? Just are there, is there anything that's hard about it? I would say that just, we're not always in the same place. Well, obviously we haven't been in the same place in quite some time right? and not being in the same place and just making sure that there's communication among everyone and making sure that everyone stays in the loop and gets what they need. And I would also say that a huge challenge right now is just the world that we currently live in. Mm-hmm. And from the, let's say the manufacturing side of things, product is pushed out materials. We're seeing so many price increases and Mm. also just lead times are getting pushed out so long and so far that it's a little hard to plan. And we like to be able to get product to the customer when they want it right Mm. away. And sometimes we can't right now. So that has been, that's a real challenge that we're all dealing with in the office and making sure that we're not only communicating within our the Equifit team, but also to our customer base. That we are we really are doing all we can and it is tough out there. Yeah. And I had read you switched over in the beginning of COVID, right? To make some masks and, and help out. That's yes. great. <laughs> yeah. We did. We pivoted quickly and made, I think I forget the last number, thirteen or fourteen thousand that we donated to various hospitals wow. and yeah, we really, that's everything moved to masks for a few months. Wow. Your entire manufacturing. Yes. Wow. Yeah. 
I thought it was in addition to, I didn't realize no, it was we just literally, of- yeah, that was all that was done was masks. Wow. When you started Equifit, did you envision that you would come to have a team this big? No, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I don't, again, you're really giving my memory a uh, run for its money here. <laughs> I have to think about that more. I would think part of me did, but also I probably not. Did it grow gradually or was there a point where you were like, oh, wow, I need to hire a lot of people? <laughs> yeah, it was sort of a gradual, it was definitely a gradual build. And just as we started to you know, have more products that we were coming up with and sales were increasing and our small team couldn't handle, whether it's all the marketing or the sales or the office management. So we definitely started to grow. I would say yearly, it was every year we would grow really. And then the past couple of years, we've really, we've really grown our team. Where do ideas for new products come from now? Is it internal or external or both? Both. I'd say we really, we work with the riders, managers, grooms, and to come up with products and make our products better. But also a lot of time is spent really just looking to see what's going on in the field or going to a barn and having a conversation with somebody and somebody saying, my horse is getting really bad blanket rubs. And then you notice that people are putting in a standing bandage. So a lot of that, a lot of our products will come from, they come from the field and, yeah. and really our customers and their needs and for example, the tail wrap, we had launched the T-Sport wrap, which is one of our oldest products. And I started noticing people using it as a tail wrap. We made it shorter and we did things to make it more appropriate for a tail wrap. Mm-hmm. So we do tried people, to, yeah. do they make requests to you? Do you ever yes. ask requests? Yes. And we'll have requests come in all the time and mm-hmm. we love hearing them. There are some people that we have worked with that have brought products to us that we have launched. Mm. So we're always cool. open to hearing what people have to say. Yeah. Can you give us a brief walkthrough on the product development? There's so many that have come out recently. Yeah. I was like looking for my catalog to see. Um, oh yeah, let's do hoof tape. Yeah, so hoof tape is an idea that that Jason McQueen and Toby Kolstrom, who who managed my horses and take care of them, had. And it is a product that you use instead of duct tape. So when you would want to pack a hoof, people would like put, put strips of duct tape together to keep the packing in. And so the idea was let's create one single piece that you just that adheres to the foot and takes two seconds because the, the amount of time spent creating the duct tape solution is, <laughs> is ample. So this right. was the idea was let's make it, let's make something that make, that makes the groom's life and anyone who's packing a foot make their lives e- easier. Yeah. So we started with that premise and there's really fun pictures of what we thought hoof tape would look like and with bright colored duct tape pieces and different circles because, Oh, at first we called it hoof circle. (laughs) And then we realized that it wasn't going to be a circle. 
<laughs> the shape changed. Originally, we tried a circle, but it didn't stay a circle. So then it became hoof tape. We looked at different shapes. And that's another product that seems like it would be so easy, but right. took a very long time. Adhesive, you have to find the right adhesive that can handle if it gets wet or mm-hmm. if it's humid out or if it's dry. So there were all these variables that we had to to work with. And finally we got there and launched yeah. that I don't four years ago, maybe at this point. Yeah. And is it, can you talk a little bit about how it goes from kind of that R and D mm-hmm. to prototype to manufacturing? Like mm-hmm. what kind of steps are in there? Yeah, so it's right. Like I said, it starts out with an idea and then drawings and, and cutting things out of whether it's fabric or cardboard. And Mm -hmm. then we move to, once we think we're close to it, we move to the prototyping um, phase. And that will be, let's say, going out to find different adhesives and Mm -hmm. different materials. And so we'll test a few of them. And we'll test those, let's say, like on our horses in-house, if you will. Test those in-house and we learn pretty quickly what will stick, what won't. Let's say if it sticks, then we can go to the next phase where we can make a sample run, send it out to a group of people and have everyone use it. Mm -hmm. Then we get the feedback, make changes if needed, goes out again. And that can, like I said earlier, that can happen multiple times. And then once we're there, we sort of have a meeting to say, and we all sign off on it. We say, okay, we're good. We, we've reviewed all the feedback and, and we sign off and it will then go to the manufacturing stage. And I would say before the sign off, or right, I guess it would be after the sign off, we do a, a small production run to see, you know, the costs, if you will, and mm-hmm. what's needed for the manufacturing side of it. All the spec and bombs are done at that point. It's loaded into our system. And then we put our initial order in and we'll have a min max that we'll put in. And Mm -hmm. once we have our initial, let's say our first run done, then we'll send our riders sample or really finished product to Mm -hmm. use. And the sales team starts working on getting it out into the tax stores. Yeah. So do you have to invest a significant amount into that whole long process before it even hits the stores? Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a big team, if you will, that is working on from the prototyping to the the spec and bomb part to the even just ordering the actual materials that are that we're going to use for the final manufacturing mm-hmm. to the manufacturing. Then there's the marketing team that's working on it, getting it onto the website, making a plan for social media. Are we going to do any printed cards to go out at the barns or yeah, there are so many steps in there. I know I'm forgetting a zillion pricing, <laughs> figuring out the pricing. That's a big one. And yeah, there's so many steps. By the time it gets out the door, there has been a lot of people have touched that process. Yeah. yeah. It sounds and like I- a really long process to get the product. So yes. how do you keep up with styles changing and the equine industry like evolving? Mm-hmm. We're always watching what's happening or try to. 
I mean, of course we miss stuff, obviously, but we do the best we can at keeping up to date on what's happening. And also we try to also make sure that we are, we're always innovating on what we're doing. So we keep an eye on what everyone's doing, but it doesn't necessarily really always change what our plan is. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think you try and get ahead of the game? Like, are you working on products now that are taking you going to take you a few years to get to the market that you think are going to change the market? Yes. Try to. Try to. We're always working on products that take a while and hopefully, hopefully we'll have some success in what we're working on. We can be working on a product and spend time doing it. And it's not necessarily ever good. It doesn't necessarily ever go to market. Yeah. yeah. I, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I see things don't see the light of day exactly. sometimes. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you feel like it's changing more rapidly than in the past? Like sometimes I wonder if it's just because I'm getting older and things are changing faster or if it really is actually changing. Changing faster. so fast. Yeah. You know, I feel like there was a time where everything changed really quickly. There were yeah. all of a sudden... Like all the riding helmets, so many, right? So many different saddles on the market. So many, for a while, there were a lot of horse boots coming out. It seemed like, right, I agree with you. Like there was a time when there was all of a sudden so many new things happening. And I a little bit think it slowed down, Mm -hmm. but it could also be because, I mean, the world is a little bit slowed down. Mm. Yeah. So I could see that. I don't, I'm, yeah. I guess I don't, I'll let you know at the end of the winter. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I well, might, I, my opinion might change. <laughs> I do feel like we, like, especially with clothing, we get stuck in a style for a yes. certain period of time and everybody seems to be happy. And then something new comes along and kind of changes all of that. And so yeah. maybe we're at a period too where everybody's kind of happy with the changes that right. have been made aren't ready for like a whole nother change. You know, I don't know. Yeah, No, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Clothing is a perfect example in this industry. Yeah. 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 What about Europe? Do you guys do a lot of work in Europe? Off and on. Yes and no, I guess, if you will. So we have in the past gone to set up at some trade shows there and we do not put the effort into Europe as we do here. We've tried And it's not for lack of the product not being accepted. It's really the materials that we use are expensive. So mm-hmm. our product is tends to be a little bit pricier. So by the time it ends up in Europe, it, it's just priced so high. And we try not to price it too high because we want it to be accessible. But then it doesn't work on our end to do it. We've made the conscious decision really to focus on the North American market recently. I went to Dublin a few years ago and I went to the horse show and it was really funny to see the style compared to how we are in America. So I was wondering if you think that we have an influence on their style, they have Mm -hmm. an influence on our style, or do you think it's just kind of separate? I think the European market does have an influence on the U S equestrian market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I guess we have an influence on that market too. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does seem like even when you think about clothing companies, Europe has been sort of where 
that we've seen more, more changes uh-huh. and high tech fabrics coming in mm-hmm. yeah. and even helmet wise, those. Yeah. So I think Europe probably changes a bit faster than our market. And I think with equipment too. Yes, I agree. And I do think, I think because part of it is that we are a bit traditional in our, our equestrian sort of culture, if you will, as far as, and I think a lot of that has to do with the equitation. Mm-hmm. Possibly that's, I and think the that keeps, yeah. And the hunters, exactly. Yeah. Right. And those don't, there's no equitation and right yeah um, yeah i was it was a big shock for yeah. me like to to actually watch their hunters go i watched the pony hunters and it was yeah. like they jump the class they jog the pony then they do the flat class and then it gets pinned i was like oh wow yeah <laughs> and they were they're riding around in like timber wicks and right yes, it is it's a different it's different and even as far as color goes yeah you know even europe i go to worship or watch on you know live stream and they're color is a part of what you see a lot. And here, I think it took longer for color to be accepted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had to change the rule book for it. Exactly. So, so that, that says a lot right <laughs> yeah, there. Right. <laughs> and so um, in terms of marketing and branding strategies, I think that's been one of your strengths with Equifit and your cohesive, consistent look that you have for everything that you do, whether it's the advertising or social media and the look of the products themselves. You can tell usually when you look at something that it's an Equifit product. And I know that probably came from your background and your interests in design and fashion. Mm -hmm. Do you think that has been kind of front of mind since you started? Yes. I would say that has been like important to me from the beginning and goes back to that idea of building a brand and a cohesive look and feel. I want people, like you said, and and I'm glad to hear that hopefully we at times achieve it, that you can tell it's coming from us. Or if you see a product that that you necessarily can't see a logo that I, I do hope that we try to keep a consistent look and feel throughout mm-hmm. the products, right? The marketing and our messaging. And, and it's, it is very important to me. I probably drive everyone crazy. With <laughs> I do there... drive everyone crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't equivocate. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. are, there, um, are there specific strategies that you've had success with in that arena? I really think part of the most like sort of important part of our marketing was having feet on the ground at the beginning mm-hmm. when we were sort of young and growing. And even now it's important to have a presence. So maybe that presence has changed through the years of how we do it, but it is always top of mind on how we stay present in the market mm-hmm. and customer is the most important, right? So we want to hear and see what they need and what they want. And I think that goes back to so many things, product development, but also marketing and just being inclusive of everyone. That's It takes a village to have a horse or get to the ring or be involved with this industry or sport. And no matter what level you're at, it takes a lot of people and detail and time. So 
it's important for us on the marketing side to always be inclusive of that and keep that in mind. So whether you're the rider or the manager, or you have your own horse and you're taking care of it or the groom, what, whatever it may be, like from the marketing side, that has always been something that's important to me to make sure that we are, we treat everyone the same. What's the best advice you've received for business? Let's say best advice. Listen to your customers. I always used to say that failures are success, if you will. And I think it's really important to recognize, or I try to remember and and share with my team that let's say we worked on a product and it doesn't work. That's fine. We learned from it. So always trying to take when things don't necessarily go the way that you would want, want it to, or what quote unquote see is like successful, there is still success in, in a failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a friend who works for Stryker and he's in product development and he does, he's an engineer Mm -hmm. and he talks about a lot about, I mean, sometimes they develop something and it's not what they put out, but it may lead to another project that they go down another road that they go down. So it's, it's not really a failure because exactly it's helped you go in a, just change direction and go find something else that might be better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. What advice can you give to entrepreneurs when you're getting when they're getting started? I'd say don't take no for an answer. Just keep <laughs> on it and really trust yourself and have confidence in what you're doing. Yeah, if you don't believe in it, why should anyone else? Exactly. <laughs> and you're going to get a lot of no's along the way. Mm-hmm. And those no's might turn to a yes at some point. <laughs> I have a question about yeah. the shoulders back. Did yeah. you use it? Like, yes. was that like, were you having a problem and that was something that you needed to solve for yourself? I was trying to figure out a crossover into how to get back to horses. So I was <laughs> trying to rack my brain on like, what would be a product that would be useful? Yeah. And like, salt in a product that would solve a problem. I've had mine for, I don't know, what, 15 years yeah. or something that you gave me one. I need to start wearing one when I'm sitting at my desk again. I know. I need to get back to it. I used to wear it when I was on the computer because I sit so hunched over. And it really does help. And Mm -hmm. I have a really bad shoulder that dislocates all the time. Connor Mm -hmm. knows about that. It happened in college like three times. Yeah. And I had a therapist that I worked with one time and I brought it to him and I was like, what do you think about this? And he was like, this is so amazing. Like (laughs) this this will help you so much, like just in training because I had to, the way that my shoulder comes out, I had to strengthen the muscles between my shoulder blades and that like pulling and holding back that shoulders back helps you do really helped in my uh, recovery from that. So glad to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. I think that's cool that you can find a product that can help in lots of different ways. It's not just for riding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that something like, have you seen when you look at where products are sold to, have you seen it used in like physical therapy at all? Yeah. yeah, We sold actually a fair amount to physical therapists, speech therapists. Oh, wow. It was on HSN. (laughs) It's dancers, like so many different areas. And yeah, like I said, that product had its life of its own. It was Mm -hmm. a wild ride. Do you still manufacture it? We do still make it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
So all of you people working from home, sitting at a computer all day, yeah, buy a shoulder check back. out shoulders back. <laughs> it really does help. <laughs> Can you walk us through what a typical day looks like for you when you're with the company and working, whether it's in the office in Massachusetts? Yeah. So I wake up early, <laughs> no, but I do. I, I like to wake up early. People. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I like I'm an early bird. Get some time alone, read the news, answer some emails before everyone starts responding. And I generally like to schedule all my meetings in the morning. So I would say usually around 8 a.m., everything starts to get a little crazy. My phone starts ringing and definitely would have been texting earlier, but 8 a.m. is usually when... Yeah, phone starts ringing and meetings start. I do always try to, you know, bring the dogs for a walk or do something before the mayhem begins. Mm -hmm. And then I would say early afternoon, I try to end up doing more of like emailing in response and returning any phone calls I need to. And I do like ending my day around four, four thirty. That's nice. If I can. I mean, it's nice if I can, but you know, I say that, but really it's like when you have your own business or work for yourself, you're always on. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say I try not to schedule anything past that time, but I always am, have my phone near me. Yeah. Looking at something, doing something. Exactly. So yeah. So a fair amount of meetings in the morning and then try to catch up on emails. And I would say my walks and when I get to ride, those are my best times to be able to think. And do you think you have a formula for success or? And if so, what does that look like? Still trying to find that. (laughs) I would say a formula for success. Surround yourself with good people. Yep. Yeah. And take care of yourself. Yeah. Two things that you're still working on. Exactly. (laughs) More the, I have good people around me, more the take care of yourself part. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys still working from home or do your people come into the office? We have some people in the office. You do? Yes. We do. So a little bit more, it's more by choice. If you want to come in, you can. Yeah. I am COVID crazy. So there are air purifiers in the office and oh, masks well that, I mean, and that's great. we rapid test. And if there's any possible exposure, yeah, we, everyone gets PCR tested and rapid tested. Have you found recently with everybody working from home, was there any change in productivity? I think everyone's done a really good job through these changes of being highly productive. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have found, oh, I can get more done if I'm not driving into an office. Yes. Or I, but I think the kind of hybrid way, if you have to have a, I agree. I like an the office, hybrid. it would really work well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my company, we mostly work from home anyway, but still. Yeah. Th- the well, I think the equine industry is doing really well as a whole right now, anyway. Mm-hmm. That's helped our business a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people were almost more productive during COVID being home than being on the road and in sales. Mm-hmm. Like the my company has grown tremendously yeah. through COVID. Which yes. company are you with? I work with Decra. We do Osphos. Yep. So love Osphos. <laughs> <laughs> Plug. at the end of each podcast we always ask the same three rapid fire questions so jen and connor will start with the first one 
Okay. So what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Again, I go back to that, be confident in what you're doing mm-hmm. and trust your gut. Yeah. We've heard that one before too. Yeah. I think it's important. I do too. Because it's easy to question yourself or be surrounded by a group of people that maybe you don't feel comfortable with and you question what you're doing, but stay true to what you're, what you believe. Yeah. Cause everyone doesn't always have your best interests at heart or mm-hmm. want to do what's best for yep. you. You have to be able to stand up for what you think yes. is the right thing. Or drive. I mean, I think a lot of people don't have the same drive. What's going to drive you forward, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I try to meditate every day. Oh, really? Yes. Do you do a guided like, meditation? Regular? You're guided. Okay. Yes. 12 minute yeah. guided meditation. Oh. Yeah. And it really does help me help keep me focused. And I would say along with that, it's going for walks and riding mm-hmm. when I can. Yeah. And what is your favorite horse movie? This is tough. <laughs> this is actually, I think, one of the toughest questions. <laughs> I've really been trying to figure out how to answer this. I guess I would just say I've never met a, a horse movie that I didn't like. I'm sure there are some, but anything with a horse in it, I want to watch. Yeah. I can't pick a favorite. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I loved the Black Stallion. Yes. Farlap. Love Farlap. National Velvet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like all of those. But I really, I even Googled to like refresh my memory <laughs> to see if there was any like one horse movie that stuck out. And I, I just am going to have to go with just horses in general. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Yep. How about you guys? Okay. Uh, I have a few. Oh, let's hear them. Farlap. Okay. A great one. Yep. Casey's Shadow. Never seen that. Sylvester. Uh, oh, yes. I remember that one. Yes. <laughs> Sylvester is like my number one favorite movie. It really is. <laughs> and then there's watch another, that one again. There's another movie. It's called Blue Fire Lady. And it is really an old movie. And it's like racehorse. It's around racehorses. So okay. those, are, those are like cool. a few. Yeah. How about you, Jen? Yeah, you said it. The Black Stallion, like the cantering on the beach bareback. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm going to do that. Right? And it's like the prettiest horse you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're going to have to, when you are uh, down in Wellington, you'll have to come by because we have a Black Stallion. Oh, you really? do? Yes. And he's very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I could like have my own you could have, Black Stallion exactly. moment. Exactly. <laughs> I had a black stallion and he double barreled me when he was a yearling and he became a gelding very quickly. Okay, so your black stallion story isn't quite as romantic or... No, definitely not. <laughs> as everyone wishes. Right. Not no. the fantasy no, black stallion. Exactly. Not the fantasy black stallion. No. Well, Al, thank you so much for thank joining us and so much. telling us about your business and we get to learn a little more about you and it's been really fun. I learned things. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Me too. I'm, I'm a big fan and you're, you are doing a great job with your podcast and everything you do. So thanks. Yeah. We have so much fun doing it. Good. Really enjoy getting to meet new people and have 
really cool conversations and learn new things. So it's been really fun. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be on. I appreciate it. I really liked having Alexandra on today to talk to her about her company. I've known her for many years and helped when she had kind of just started her company or it was about five or six years old when we started working together a little bit with it. And it's been so cool to see how much it's grown and all of the success that she's had over the years with it. Yeah, it's a great company. I mm-hmm. I love their mission, especially when they changed during COVID and were able to help supply the masks. I think that's like that really shows what a good company it is. Yeah. And, and how adaptable they are. For sure. Yeah, that. And I think she's was one of the first and one of the best companies in the equestrian industry to really show that they are socially conscious, really stand behind what they believe in and put their money where their mouth is. She donates to lots of causes. She supports lots of organizations inside and outside of the equestrian industry through her company. And and I think that she should be commended for that as well. It's one thing to be a good business person. And it's another to be just a really good person in general. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what she is. Yeah. She definitely seems like she's a really good person just with good causes. Yeah. And she's a great friend and so supportive and wants to see other people succeed too. And I think they have great products. Yeah. Like I think they stand behind their products. I think they make great products. And it was interesting to listen to her walk through the development of it. And what an expense to like keep going back to the drawing board and changing and wanting to make sure it's right. So I feel like in the long run, it's probably worth any expense so that Mm -hmm. you make it right for people. Yeah. I think she said, if you don't spend the money up front, you're going to spend more in the long run if you rush it to market and it's not ready and you haven't tested it properly. You're going to spend more money trying to fix it and to (laughs) replace all the products that you got out quickly. So it's definitely a solid example of putting the time and the effort in to start. And I think that can apply across any business. It doesn't have to be product manufacturing, really making sure that you are dedicating yourself in your company to really outlining what it is you want to do and how to get there and thinking about things and all of that work that goes in, kind of the boring work that goes into preparing and having the the confidence behind you. I mean, to start out with one product the way they did and to have it grow as much as they did have it grow for a, a product that's a great product, but it's not something that everybody always thinks about. Yeah, I probably should get one to sit at my desk. <laughs> you know? It really does help. Yeah, You have to start yeah. slow though. You can't wear it all day. You have to wear it for like a half an hour because yeah. like you're not used to sitting that way and your muscles can get sore from it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like she had to be pretty confident in the product that Mm -hmm. she started with, right? To make it grow Mm -hmm. and put everything into. And I'm sure there were naysayers and we're like, really? But in the long run, yeah. But, you know, (laughs) it is. It's a pretty useful thing. I think it's cool that she looks at 
where it's getting sold to, where the products mm-hmm. are going to like, yeah. I think that would be super interesting. I mean, that's boring, but also interesting. <laughs> like who, who really wants to go through all the numbers like that? But at the same time, yeah. like how fun would it be? Like, oh, wow, this person bought this product and that's so weird, but that's so cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny how she mentioned that like her idea to move from shoulders back into horse boots. She was like, I love shoes. And I was like this, if, if I, when I think of Alexandra, I think of her shoes and her fashion sense. Like the girl is never, unless she's in riding boots or like working out or something, she's never in less than four inch heels. Oh my gosh. And, but they're like, like big wedges and yeah. stuff. And she always has the best shoes and fashion sense and, well, I when think I, it's, it's funny when you're drawn to those kind of things because mm-hmm. like, I can't tell you, I'm embarrassed to say the number of horse boots that I have as well as <laughs> my own shoes. I mean, I could have horse boots in every color so that I match with every saddle pad that I have when I ride because they match my breeches and whatever <laughs> I'm wearing. And so I kind of identify with that. Yeah, I... I appreciate it. I'll say that much. I don't think I am like that, but uh, she does inspire me. That's for sure. Yeah. In more ways than one. Yeah. It was another great conversation. I'm glad we got to take kind of a an inside peek at what Equifit is, who's behind it, and to inspire people and let them know that you can start with one product and start slow and reinvest in your company and let it grow into something that's she's really a force in the equine industry. Find the links to today's guest and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at eqbusinesswomen. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go support Equifit. Equifit.